welcome, welcome to New Hope Radio. Also, New Hope Radio podcast coming at you different ways. Glad to have you come aboard today. Jesus made some wonderful promises. You know that. He made some wonderful promises to his people. And uh, he also made some promises to those that were not his people. He's got promises for everybody. Today we're going to look at the greatest promise that he made. And it's also for all people. Think about that. This promise is for all people. Love it. Can't wait. Yeah, one of the greatest promises Jesus made, and again, he made it to the whole world, the promise of his sacrifice for all of our sins. Oh yeah, he made a promise for the sins of the whole world. That's why it's good news for everybody. I wonder if sometimes people struggle with that because in the realm of humanity, we're very good at breaking our own promises, right? We live in a world of broken promises. We really do. Um, Sometimes a person gets a job, they make a promise, oh, I'm going to work hard at my new job. And then they get familiar and they begin to slack off. Someone makes a promise to love their spouse unconditionally. That wedding day, time goes by again. You get familiar, they begin to slack off. Dad makes a promise to the kids, we're going to go out today, we're going to play, we're going to have a good time. Then he gets too busy, broken promise. And there are so many ways that we break our promises. But thankfully, God is not like us. I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad God is not like us. He keeps every promise that he makes. And this includes the promise of good things as well as the promise of things that, uh, they're not so good. I recently heard a a news report. Sounded like something out of an End Times movie. The reporter talked about political unrest around the world, storms, floods, fires, various natural catastrophic events and I'm thinking man we are on the doorstep doorstep of the great tribulation you ever think about that you think we are I think we're like you know when the ocean wave breaks into the beach and you get that little ripple I think that's where we are with the tribulation we've got the little ripple we've got the ripple effects so to speak that's where I think we are Wow. So, I want us to look at a promise that Jesus made in three aspects. Number one, we're going to take at the, a look at the original promise in the Old Testament. Then we're going to take a look at the fulfillment of that promise in the Gospels. And then we're going to take a look at Paul's commentary in the New Testament regarding the promise. 
Okay, so let's start with the original promise. We're in Genesis chapter 3. It was a beautiful day in the Garden of Eden, as, as every day was, I'm sure. Adam was probably out cultivating crops, maybe playing with the dogs or even the lions. Eve could have been out picking fruit. Maybe she was going to bake a pie. But she wandered to a place that she was forbidden to go. She got too close to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God said, don't go there. You know, bad things happen where we're in a place where we shouldn't be. You know that? Bad things happen when we are in a place where we shouldn't be. Well, Satan met her. Satan met her there. And he came in the form of a serpent. And he convinced her to take and eat the fruit. And she did. And then she gave some to her husband. And then sin, at that point, entered into the world. Everything changed. Everything. It all changed. Nature changed. The animal kingdom changed. Even humans changed. All was lost. Oh, but not forever. Jesus enters the scene. And here's the promise he made in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, enmity is strife or warfare, between you and the woman. Remember now Jesus is talking to the serpent and the woman. Between your seed and and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, what does this promise mean to Satan, and what does it mean to us? To Satan, it means that he will experience the ultimate defeat in this spiritual warfare between himself and God. He's going to be defeated, ultimately. At the end, he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. That's his ending right there. To us, a Redeemer will be provided for all of mankind. He will come and offer himself a perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Because sin was passed down through Adam. Adam and Eve sinned. They took upon themselves a sin nature. And that sin nature is passed down to every human that's born. But here's the result. All who believe in Jesus and who he is and what he did, will never perish, but they will have eternal life. Now, people mostly, mm, God's people, mostly God's people, the Jews, they lived with that promise in Genesis 3 for about 4,000 years. And they anxiously waited for that great day to come. Oh yeah, the day the Redeemer will come, the Messiah. And the Bible tells us, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So he came during the time of the Jewish history. He came at the right time, the perfect time Jesus came. And you know, this is how God operates. He's never early. He's never late. 
<laughs> he's always right on time. Now, that's the origin of the promise. It began back in Genesis chapter 3. That's where we find the origin. Now, we have the fulfillment of the promise. You know that Jesus taught his disciples many things, not excluding his own death and resurrection. He really wanted them to understand that. So in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and he'll be rejected by the elders and by the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. You know, it's true. When he said, the Son of Man came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's what's going on here. And then he said, though, after three days, he'll rise again. You know, they're going to they're gonna do a number on Jesus, but after three days, he's going to rise again. Now, no one likes to hear what is considered bad news, right? We don't like bad news. The loss of their friend to them, that was bad news. They loved Jesus. They loved the teachings. Oh, they love to hear about the kingdom of God is like. The meek shall inherit the earth. But Jesus dying, oh, that was something they rejected. See, the teachings of God include both things we want to hear and some things we don't want to hear. Isn't that true when you go to church? You hear a sermon? Some things, oh, I like that. Some things, ugh, I don't like that. What do you do when you sit in church? Can you still stay faithful to everything that you hear? Or do you like pick and choose? Is your pastor's church sermon a buffet? Oh, I like that, but I don't like that. I'll take some of this, but I'm not having any of that. <laughs> That's not the way. It's not like that. It's like, man, the whole meal. You got to eat the broccoli with the steak. Okay. So, when Jesus gave the good news, they liked it, but when he talked about his death, I don't even think they heard the part about his resurrection. This was something that the disciples did not want to hear. So much that, you know what it says? He was stating the matter plainly. I mean, he couldn't make it any clearer. And you know what Peter did? Peter's got some guts, let me tell you. He's a gutsy guy. He took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Peter rebuked Jesus. Wow. He must have felt pretty confident in his relationship with him to do something like that. What do you think? He felt pretty confident to do something like that. He really did. And you know what Jesus did? <laughs> Jesus re rebuked Peter. That's what he did. He rebuked Peter. He told Peter. He told Peter something that's enough to really make people stand up and think. Turning around and seeing his disciples. So he's looking at the whole group. And he rebuked Peter. So in a way, he's like giving this message to everybody. 
That's in the group. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You're not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. He saw the work of Satan in Peter's words. Remember when Satan showed up in the garden and Jesus Jesus pronounced his doom? It looks like Satan shows up here to maybe try to undo his doom. Oh yeah, Jesus, I'm not going down and I'm going to use your disciple to do it. I'm not going down. So Peter's like, no, master, you're not going to die. And Jesus is like, shut up, Peter. The devil's got your tongue. I know who I am, and I know what I came to do. And as we get closer to the cross, Jesus told his disciples, don't worry about me. Here he is, right? He knows he's going to his death, and he says, don't worry about me. You have faith in God? It's beautiful. Have faith in me too. Oh, there are many rooms in my father's house. And I wouldn't tell you this unless it was true. You know where I'm going? I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's what he wanted them to understand. And then he said, after I've done this, I'm coming back. (laughs) I like that. I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you with me. And then we'll be together. We're going to be, see, we're going to be separated for a very short time. That's what death is for the followers of Christ. A temporary separation. Very temporary. And then the union is everlasting. So now we have the fulfillment of the promise. A promise isn't very good unless it's fulfilled, isn't it? Well, Jesus is going to fulfill it. The Bible says, when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. They gave him wine to drink, mixed with gall, that's like a vinegar. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. What was that mixture? It was something to help deaden the pain. Even the Romans had a little bit of mercy on Jesus. They tried to give him what we would consider an ancient day Tylenol, but Jesus refused it. And when they crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. Can you see it? Can you see the soldiers? Oh yeah, man. I'll take that. You take that. Well, let's choose up for this. Rocks, paper, scissors for this one. And Jesus saw it all going on. He even asked his father to forgive them. And then at the very end, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
see, that's the fulfillment of the promise. A promise is no good unless it's fulfilled. That's when it becomes a reality. And I love the fact that everything Jesus said came to pass or will come to pass. There will be not one letdown in anything that Jesus said. Read the Gospels. There will not be one unfulfilled promise for believer and non-believer alike. For Christ follower and Christ rejecter alike. Everything will be fulfilled. Finally, let's take a look at Paul's commentary on what the promise means to us. Here's a promise that Jesus made 2,000 years ago, but how does it affect us? We want the Bible to affect our lives, don't we? Of course we do. So, Paul said in Romans chapter 5, in verse 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So while we couldn't help ourselves, Jesus stepped up and did what we couldn't do. He said, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. In other words, someone might sacrifice themselves for a good person. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, (laughs) Christ died for us. It's like giving your life for someone that's on death row. Oh, they committed a horrific crime. They did a terrible thing. And you step up. And you say, my life for theirs. No one would do that. You say, give them what they deserve. They did a terrible thing. Now, someone might give their life for a good person. But Jesus Christ died for all sinners, of which we all are. Peter said, Christ also died for the sins once for all. The just, that's him, for the unjust, that's us, so that he might bring us to God. Oh, why did Jesus do that? To bring us to God. Remember he said, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it not so, I would have told you. Behold, I go and prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you can be too. Oh yeah, let's all get together. So he died once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. This is the sacrifice that was made for our salvation. A promise made, a promise kept. That's what we have in Jesus. A promise made and a promise kept. See, that's the hope of the world. That's why this is the greatest promise that was ever made because you know why? Number one, it can affect everybody in the whole world. Number two, it has an everlasting effect. Number three, it wipes our slate clean and presents us righteous before God. Number four, let me throw another one out there. It was a promise that Jesus would do something for us that needed to be done, but we couldn't do it for ourselves. No, we couldn't. Couldn't do it. 
So he did it for us. It's incredible. He promised something that was really difficult to do, but he saw it through to the end. He saw it through to the end. Now, you've probably seen that picture of what's called the praying hands. You ever see that picture? It's just two hands together. That's all you see. It's a beautiful picture. And I'm going to tell you the story of that picture. In the 5th century, a man named Albrecht Dürer and his brother Hans, they wanted to be artists. Both of them could draw beautifully. But they were too poor to go to school. They wanted to go to art school, but they couldn't afford both of them to go. So they made a deal. One would go to art school, and the other would work and pay for it. Then the other would come back from school, and the other brother would go to art school while the brother worked and paid for it. So they flipped the coin to see who would go to school first. Albrecht, he won the, the toy course. He went to school. Hans took a job in a blacksmith shop. He worked hard every day, sending money off to school so his brother could learn to paint. Months stretched into years. Finally, Albrecht returned home. Now, oh, oh, the two men, they had a joyous reunion. Oh, they hadn't seen each other in such a long time. They were so happy to be reunited. And then Albrecht began to weep. The many years had calloused and bruised the sensitive hands of his brother, Hans, who stayed behind to work. And his hands were so callous and bruised from working in the blacksmith shop, he couldn't handle a paintbrush. It was too delicate a work for him to paint. The humble gratitude that Albrecht showed was that he painted that portrait of the praying hands that labored so he could develop his talent. Today, this portrait stands as a masterpiece and it's seen by millions of people throughout the world. Their hands that labored for someone else. Now we look at Jesus. We look at Jesus' hands. Hands that labored to pay the debt of sin and grant freedom and salvation to all who believe. Everyone and anyone. When the nails went into the hands of Jesus on the cross and the blood poured out, sin was being covered. Your sin, my sin, everybody's sin. Adolf Hitler's sin was being covered. Charles Manson's sin was being covered. Good people, bad people, faithful people, unfaithful people, Lovers, haters, do-gooders, do-batters, doesn't matter. Jesus 
paid for the sins of the whole world. He promised that he would. That's the deal. That's the deal. He promised that he would. Promise made, a promise kept. That's why we can rely on everything that Jesus says. Everything. You don't have to doubt one word that you can find in the Gospels. You read those Gospels and you see those words in red, the words of our Lord. You put all your faith in them. You put all your trust in them. Because those are words that were spoken by a man that was faithful to everything that he said. Oh, he's not like us. We're probably faithful to most things, but there's some things we kind of drop the ball, wouldn't you say? I know I have. I know I've dropped the ball on some things that I said. But the Lord Jesus, he was perfect. He was perfect in every way. He paid a debt he didn't know. He did a work he didn't have to do. But you see, he said that he would do it. So this tells me whatever Jesus says is going to get done. Oh, it's going to get done. Whatever Jesus says is going to get done. Don't doubt a word that he says. When he talks about heaven, believe it. Oh, when he talks about hell, believe it. When he talks about forgiveness, believe it. When he talks about servanthood, believe it. When he talks about love, believe it. Whatever he talks about, you better believe it. Because it's true. It's very, very true. Isn't it nice to know that there's something that we can put our faith in? That we can put our trust in? And never have to doubt it. I like that. I like knowing there's a place that I can go and it's always truthful. Always truthful. And you know what that is? The Word of God. And the things that Jesus said. He promised salvation to all those that believe. It comes through His sacrifice. Believe it. And become a believer if you're not already. Reap the benefits of the greatest promise that Jesus ever made. Thank you for coming along today. Remember New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. Subscribe to the Hope Club Podcast. If you don't know about it, I'll tell you more about it next time. Have a great day. We'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.